Wyatt. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience! Your move silently and hide checks are successful. <coughs> Good evening, lords and ladies. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely. For you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Valadros and the Wyvens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Swarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty Sided Theater. Dancing lights! Rises, and we rejoin our heroes. Oh, great. We're back with these assholes. I really hope that we'd be able to stay with Chip Dipson and the Action Town Criers for a little bit longer. But you must remember, Master Voice, that this is my theater, and all attentions are to be directed whensoever I point. Give me a bluff check, Romande. No. No? No. I spoke nothing but the truth. God damn it! Why does the Great Celestial Rulebook always come back to bite me in the ass, which I don't have, by the way, whenever I'm talking to you guys? Fine. What have you heroes been up to? Well, the biggest piece of gossip is that Torea and I are now divorced. Or annulled, or perhaps, or... In any case, it brought me only momentary relief before we were all subjected to the distressed sobbing of a positive-energy undead paladin whose dreams of a little cottage in the foothills had been twice broken in as many weeks. Let's see, what else? Uh, Thrimlock Catherin is back from the brink of death now that Maldreth and Imanond have lifted the fatwa against foodstuffs. And we're ignoring a summons from the Emperor so we can go visit some penguins. You guys are the least responsible group of adventurers I've ever seen. And who better to introduce the least responsible adventurers on this plane or any plane that has been contacted by it than Scotalia's own irresponsible Romande Zwarfinde? It is my pride and joy to reacquaint you with my insufferable bastards. Imanon Shinuda, who serves the Empire as Grand Weaponsmith. He also fills the posts of President and Spokesman of the Shinuda Necromancy Corporation. This mummified human wizard is ever accompanied by his skeletal cat familiar, Bastet. Think me, I say, that I am still able to scry on my workshop in the Swamp Pyramid. 
I do not fully trust my embalmed necromages with the development of Shinoda's plutonium elemental powered battle engine. The sooner we conquer these penguin tribes, the sooner I can conscript your help in testing the radiation shielding around the cockpit. The terrible, towering Maldreth the Impious, the ogre-blooded patriarch of the Church of War, dedicated to Makar, the father of strife is being petulant right now and he refuses to come on stage until the rest of us quote win the wars against yourselves you idiots moving on dark brother smid caltrops the half bear monk he also serves as president of bear industries a shapeshifter of insurmountable strength and speed Makar's teachings prove true. Those who can't help themselves deserve to be forced to help others. But it still ruffles my fur that those fucking starfighters were able to help themselves. Steve the Chameleon Pyrabat. Thoroughly odorless, colorless, and deadly. Whenever she's not vomiting over the side of our boat, that is. This... this isn't... That's a little better. Now if this boat would just stop rocking and pitching for a few minutes, then I could... Issa Featherfoot. Pengonquin Princess, a seven-foot-tall shape-shifting penguin assassin. She is currently attended by her faithful and oft-missing bodyguard, the mysterious Tuxedo Beak, and a raggedy homeless penguin called Luwak Erwaka. Ah, how wonderful it is to be in the sea. I don't know why you guys got your pantaloons in such a twist about the whole food thing. We're on the ocean, which is full of fish. I completely agree, Lady Featherfoot. These non-penguins just needed to get over themselves and eat the fish that you, Master Beak, and I brought in our gullets from the briny depths. I think it was actually the lack of fresh water that made them sick. Most other species don't have the superorbital plant that desalinates seawater. No penguins. The combination of all of that grossed us out. Anyway, who's next? Ah, yes! Thrimlock Lenanian, a blindfolded elf sorcerer, with a blackened potato perched on one shoulder and a Frankenstein's raven on the other. He is attended by his minions, Torea Marsvale, an undead paladin, and Sir Gnome, his faithful gnome skeleton valet. Come along, Torea. <laughs> yes, Lord Thrimlock, go Oh, Torea, I'm so sorry. This is all Sir Gnome's fault, you know that. You too, Lorimar. Ugh. And Sir Gnome, I guess. How dare you make Torea cry, Sir Gnome? Yes, Master. 
sorry, Master. I'm sorry, Torreya. And last, but certainly not least, yours truly, the inespousable Romandes Warfinde, bard in extraordinaire, beloved of Quintilians, the shattering light of every dawn. Get on with it, bard. Wait a minute, you already introduced yourself twice. An elven bard of pan-dimensional acclaim, who deserves not one, not two, but three introductions. But you already knew that, didn't you? Lords and ladies of my beloved audience. Uncle Bro, you forgot to introduce me. Mom says if I don't insist on that, you'll just ignore me every time I'm here until I need something. What the fuck are you doing here on our boat, Helena? I-, I thought I told you to wait for me and practice your violin back at the Frozen Summit. I did, but then you guys walked through a portal after Miss Tamlin and Miss Lorelei stole your boat. But before you got that new one that Mr. Lenoline put the transdimensional sail on. Before we left, Mom said to tell you... Yes, yes, fine, fine, I remember now. <clears throat> Ahem. Helma Nisbet Alafinde, my niece. By the way, Helma, don't mention your mother again, or I shall officially declare your twin brother Jason as my least unfavorite niece. You don't want to lose out to somebody who plays the spoons now, do you, Helma? No, Uncle Rose. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats. Quaff your libations and adjust your listening devices to receive the full selection of sounds that is the 20 sided theater. You have been traveling for an indeterminate amount of time. You know, since Thrimlock's taking you through interdimensional non space, which means that you're actually only experiencing a subjective version of time that's not really tethered to any kind of reality. Anyway, you're aboard a ship that you stole from the harbor in Oakvale. It's a good thing we were able to return to Oakvale to procure this second ship. Kate is a very useful spell. Especially when you fools lost our magical transdimensional boat to pirates. Hey, Kalora and Lorelei may be pirates, but they're still our friends. Plus, I kind of owed them a boat. Anyway, none of that matters, since Sir Gnome did something right for once and tore down the transdimensional sail before they left us on that deserted island on the plain of northern seas. Yeah, so now instead of leaving one group of friends stranded in a strange corner of reality with no way out, you left two groups stranded. Oh, they'll be fine. They'll just have to find a powerful mage or a wandering, irresponsible portalmancer or something to get back to us uh, once they've grown bored of pirating a whole plane. Furthermore, Dromonde Catheridan has been sending me episodes of the Kalora Tamlin Adventure Hour for editing, so I know for a fact that they've already skinned a herd of dire dolphins and sewn their hides together into a new mainsail. It was also kind of nice of Maldreth to open that gate so we could stop in at that cross planer bar and grill again after ten weeks at sea. Then you guys
guys forgot to bring all your hundreds of followers with you the first time, so now we might even be ready for whatever's attacking His Majesty. His Majesty? You mean Froggle? Nothing's attacking him. He and Friggle are asleep in the cargo hold again. That right! Orc male always need more sleep than female, even as adult. Boy Orc nap time most sacred time of all. No what male be cranky and stub Orc. You mean His Holiness Helimar. That is the proper appellation by which one references the Emperor. I really don't know why you guys are recapping all of this. You were there to witness or to take part in all of this. Yeah, but we've run out of conversation topics, and nobody wants to bring up the fact that Ramande broke Torea's heart. Oh, my sweet almost husband. Why did the gods see fit to saddle us with Sir Gnome in place of a bridal wreath? And why were you stupid enough to let him serve as your best man? I know that I already chose Lord Thrimlock as my maid of honor, but you should have noticed that the person who handed you the rings was Lady Gnome in disguise and not Sir Gnome. To be fair, Torea, that wasn't just Romande. Neither you nor the rest of us noticed. I was wearing a veil. My vision was obstructed. Plus, when you take Lady Gnome's wig off, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between her and her husband. At least you can tell which ones are Sir Gnome Jr. and Thrimlet, since their different sizes. In any case, you guys are currently between planes, and your ship has begun rocking and shuddering violently. You might want to make some, uh, well, there's a lot going on, so you should make a whole array of skill checks. Uh, guys? What's that giant swirling cloud of flashing colors that we're heading toward? They may our safe forge us anew. We must steer the ship, lest those raw strands of primal energies splinter us all. Ooh, I love these. It's a reality storm. Something really big must be going on. And it looks like it's going on in a lot of places. So what do we do, Catheran? The best course of action is to steer toward a boring, pithy, nowhere reality. From there, we can just wait out this reality storm and then continue on a penguin-themed world tour! Wheel, wheel, wheel! What? You still not see why you need use cross dimension ship when all penguins end supposedly on us home plane? What? And miss all of this? A thunder deeper and grander any on the prime material planes rolls out across non-space. The storm is moving fast, and the winds of causality are already buffeting your ship. This looks pretty bad. Molly Dad says the safest place in the storm is at the center. But your father is also a pigman, and he married my sister. 
so his intelligence, sense of taste, and opinions can be fully discounted. But thank you, my least unfavorite niece, for not mentioning your mother. Ah, crap. Tuxi, Luoth, you guys start pulling on that sail thing. I'll head up to the helm and see if I can keep a steady flipper on the wheel. Aye, aye, my for At once, my empress. Issa heads back toward the stern. The two male penguins immediately set to pulling ropes and tying knots. Uh, do you penguins know what you're doing? You're good in water, but I've never seen you on a ship except for that one time in the arena of Akram. And you spent most of that fight in the water. Uh, not really, but nobody else was trying anything useful at the time. Let's try a gateway! Nothing? Weird. I'd hope to escape and leave you guys with Cerno, but it seems that Mandos has other plans for us. The reality storm is interfering with all forms of teleportation, manifestation, and transcommunication between planes. Maybe you guys should... Oh, gods! Isa, look out! Make it, make it, make it, uh, drive the boat well check! On it, Master Disembodied Voice. I'll just flipper this wheel all the way to the left. No, Issa, not that way. Turn it to the right. I think I might know a place where we can weather out the storm. The mast groans and creaks before splintering and ripping backwards toward the starboard side of your ship. The trans-dimensional sail then catches an impulse from a coming wave of dimensional energy and pulls the flailing mask back toward the storm. Luak, what are you doing? Let go of that rope. I can't, Lady Featherfoot. I got all tangled up and knotted in it. I don't want to die in a reality storm. Then allow the ever-ready Romande Swarfinde to draw the toppler from its sheath, and then he oh, shall... No, you don't, Bard. You are not using your vorpal potato-sold scimitar so you can inevitably whack it all up and cut off poor Luok's head. Lady Featherfoot, the rope is uncoiling really fast here. The trans-dimensional sail and your mask are now lost from sight. You guys sure used a lot of rope on that sail. Oh, no! What, what, what happened? Why am I not flying away with the mast? Well, for one, you're a penguin, and penguins don't fly. Those seal finger sky penguins can fly. They lord it over everyone they meet. The sky penguins don't actually fly to see. They pilot machines that carry them through the air. But anyway, nobody noticed when I sliced Blue Ox's throat while he so was yelling at Ramonde. Well, what do we do now? We don't have a trans-dimensional sail anymore. But we do still have a polycosmic rudder. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. That whole wheel thing totally has a mind of its own. That is because you lack thumbs, Penguin. Dark Brother Caltrops, would you like to show Lady Featherfoot how Makar has taught you to compensate for inferior manipulator? No, 
Not really. But I really don't want to die in a place that's not actually a place! Which way should I turn the ship, Thrimlock? Uh, let me figure that out really quick. We've been spinning about 14 degrees per second, but this dawn space takes 35,912 degrees to make a full circuit. Imminent! I need some help with this non Euclidean trigonometry. Sono keeps botching the calculations because he can only multiply by nines. Uh, fine. The study of maths is a war against a slovenly mind, I suppose. Eva Mother, you are the next strongest. You will grace the wheel with Dark Brother Caltrops once we have established our cause. Sound good, Rappy Face. And to help with my part of this struggle, I have a new artifact that has been waiting to be tapped for just such a situation as this. Behold, Shaguda's multi-spatial trigonometry table. Well, it sounds like you guys have a plan going, so give me the appropriate checks. Alright, Bear, you need to turn the wheel hard to the right and keep going until I say stop! No, oh, it's a dust! Follow Thrimlock's directions toward a small space time that is out of the current path of great events. The ship lurches to a halt, and you hear a violent splash. Everybody makes some reflex saves. Oh, remind me never to let a penguin drive a boat or pilot one of those ridiculous hover sleds from the Sky Penguins again. Oh, all right, my bastards. Sound off. I'm here, Uncle Ro. I even managed to save my Stonavarius violin that Mom's dwarf friends gave me for my sixth birthday. I said bastards sound off, Helena. You're not officially in our adventuring party, and you won't be if you keep mentioning dwarves. Well, that's an improvement in the things I'm not supposed to mention, at least. Ugh. I'm okay, I think. Just... A little bruised, but none the worse for wear. I'm fine. Torre's fine. Except for the, uh, you know, the thing, the throbande. For the Wolf Master? No, my shattered dreams. No, no dummy. It no. wasn't an ailment. Oh, you, you idiot. Stop bringing that up while no. she's in here, shot. Bastet and I grow tired. Be fine. Uh oh. That sounds like Frog will wake up in the middle of nightmare again. Lady Evermotter? Don't you mean that that sounds like Regal? You know, toddler? No, that definitely Brogle. Briggle cry more deep voice now that him almost four year old. 
Ruggles say he have night terror when he sleeping dead. Big dummy not realize he not have night terror cause it not night. <sighs> but him me, big dummy. So me go make sure he okay. Bravo, you stop cry or you wake Riggle. Then me be really mad. Ugh, so much better whenever the half-orcs aren't within earshot. I should devise a soundless rule wherein we might deposit them and Torea until she starts crying. And the bard for good measure. Hey, guys. Where are the penguins? More importantly, where the land on this plane go? That's an awful lot of water. If I were a dwarf, I'd be pissing myself right about now. All dwarves fear water, you know. This is a fact, Kaefer. Duh, it's why I said it. Issa, Tuxedo Beak, and Luar reach swiftly from the water. They gracefully arc through the air and land heavily on the port side of the main deck. They stand majestically and triumphantly, Issa in the center, flanked by her two faithful attendants. The setting sun frames them in glowing silhouettes for a moment, before each of them bows their head, opens their beak, and coughs out a gullet full of small, silver-scaled fish. Man, this place is great! Just look at all of these dire anchovies that we have for dinner tonight instead of the bland, unidentifiable biscuits that Maldreth and Imanond have been making. Ugh. No thank you, penguins. I'll stay with the probably evil foodstuffs that wage a constant war on my bowels. Well, since we're not all dead, Thrym, how about you tell us where we are? Oh, this is just a little place that I like to escape to every now and again. You know, to take it easy for seven or eight weeks. Maybe do some magical research. Behold, my favorite vacationing spot, the Plain of Beaches! Thrimlock, there isn't a beach in sight. No beaches either. Neither shoreline nor tree in the highly probable case that your drugs-addled mind drove us headlong into a homophone. Again! So how are we gonna get anywhere without a sail? Transdimensional or otherwise? Lady Featherfoot, Master Beak, and I might be able to scout out the seas around us. We can take 20-minute shifts swimming along the seafloor, looking for the upward slope of an island or a continental shelf. Oh, no, you won't. We're not going to let you penguins escape and leave us all stranded here, adrift on an infinite sea in a plain of infinite beach. Well, do you have any better ideas, Thrym? Well, maybe. I have one idea. Sonome! Yes, Master. Now that you're in the water, wearing a suit of plate mail that's five sizes too large, try your best to push the boat to land! Yes, Master. Whoa, look at him go! Miss Terea, did you give the skeleton boy a life preserver spell or something? No, girl. That is all Sir Gnome's doing. This is merely a matter of statistics. 
in any undertaking, Sunome has a 5% chance of success, a 90% chance of failure, and a 5% chance of cataclysmic failure. Sir Gnome, if this vessel sinks and my ceremonial wrappings get wet, I will invert the dimensional hole that Rimlock placed into your head. Sir Gnome swims toward the starboard side of the hull, braces himself against it, and begins to kick with all his meager strength. Whoa! Keep steady! Should someone go up to the wheel to steer? Only if they have hands or claws instead of flippers. Uh, no, that's really not a good idea. Look, we're traveling perpendicularly to the bicameral axis of the ship. What does that sentence even mean, Frimlock? We're going left. Boats aren't really supposed to go left. They're designed to go forward, and sometimes arc toward the left. Well, does anybody have any idea when we might hit land? What do I look like? Like I'm made of a compass, sextant, and spyglass? I know what plane we're on, but not where we are on this plane. Which is about as useful as knowing which star system you're in, but not which planet you stand upon. Well... Given an infinite amount of time, we should eventually find a landmass on this plane. I am undead, so I can afford the luxury of such patience. In under an hour, you catch sight of a large island. Its broad white sand beaches stretch for miles, ultimately finding their limits in a long line of silver-barked trees. Above and beyond the tree line, an enormous black mountain dominates the skyline with its impossible heights. Me really like move fast on boat, especially when Sun and Husbork still napping. Me feel like Queen of World! No, I will not stand for such a claim. Only His Holiness, Emperor Nashti, 27th of his name, is entitled to hold such a title. Know your place, Queen of Town Hall. What you worry about, Rappy Face? Me only say me feel like Queen of World. Me not actually want be Queen of World. Me not want such responsibility. Let Rago have World if him want. Me have Rago and that good enough. Um, that mountain over there, it, it's gotten a lot bigger in the past few seconds. Uh, maybe we should slow down? I don't think we've got the runway to slow down, Annie. Everyone, brace for impact! Sir Gnome continues pushing with all of his inexplicable might, hitting a sandbar and rolling the ship you stand upon. Most of you are thrown free from the craft at this point to land heavily in the sand dunes. Inertia and torque take over from Sir Gnome, and your vessel rolls and or skids a third of the way up the mile-long beach before finally crashing to a halt. What is that? What is what, Bard? That enormous green sheet-looking thing that's crawling from beneath the wreckage of our ship. What the hell's is that? Me know that sexy wingy shape any place. 
Hey, Pookum, you finally wake up from nappy time? <sighs> Me awake. Me no roll over on top of Vriggle. Him okay. Me king of not kill son in sleep. Vroggle lifts his toddler son aloft and casts him into the air, catching him gently with his strong green hands, and the half-orc prince squeals with delight. Well, at least we're on solid land again, and it looks like we all survived somehow. Why, even Sonome is still here. Good work beaching that boat, Sonome. You'll get a bonus someday. Yes, Martha. Thank you, Martha. But he totally ruined the rest of your boat. You could have cut down one of those silvery wooded trees up on the hill over there and used it to make a new mast. Well, you have to be specific with your instructions to Snome if you want a particular effect out of him. He's like one of those thinking machines that the Imperial Bureau of Maths uses for their computations. Only much less intelligent. Much, much less intelligent. Unlike the computationers, Sonome can only focus on one thing at a time. You spend the next hour or so making camp beside your ruined ship. Just as your argument about whether to go out in search of food, ask Imanon to make some vittles, or to eat the penguin's fish is reaching its crescendo. Uh, for the last time, the gods feed those who feed themselves. Now, if you don't mind, I have found quite a unique species of scorpion upon this beach. I wish to enlarge it and suffuse it with radiant energies that I might make closer investigations of its workings even once the sun has gone down. So it's a sand scorpion? No, you dingus, it's a tree scorpion. I'm going to intervene here and ask all of you to make spot checks. Aha! Uh -huh. Gotcha, you little creeper. Let me down, you giant furry piglet. Piglet? What? You've never seen a bear before? I believe you are saying boar wrong. Everybody stop! No more puns, or wordplay, or rhyming, or whatever stupid thing it is you are doing with your mouths right now. Smid, let that white-feathered penguin go now. Is... is she wearing a grass skirt? And a coconut bra? Even though penguins have feathers and it's completely socially acceptable for most animal people to run around naked most of the time? A white-feathered penguin, you say? Is she one of those under-penguins we have yet to meet? No, she's not. The under-penguins all have black feathers on their bellies. But this penguin only has tiny black spots dappling her shoulders. And her eyebrow plumes are intriguing, too. They stand out a full flipper's length from her head, spraying the most rich hues of yellow orange and red that I've ever seen. My apologies, cousin. I am Issa Featherfoot of the Pengonquin Plains tribe. My friends and I washed up on your shores, tired and hungry after a long, dangerous storm. Our bear is simply overzealous in his defense of his friends after such trials. Please sit, join us, have a fish or two. Muntaswakias, Mr. Issa. 
I am sorry for spying. We simply do not get visitors around here very often, and you are also beautifully strange. Your dark feathers, they are like no feathers in my whole tribe. Why, thank you! I really don't wash them enough, but you're so kind to say such nice things about little old me. So you've got my name. What's yours? I am Wakarda Wakalban, and I welcomed you to Penguidice Island. Well, it looks like we found another lost penguin tribe. And who would have thought that we would have found them entirely by accident? Eh. Mandos works the hands of fate in often senseless ways. But things always work out in the end. Even if the end sometimes means you die and get raised as a skeleton by a blindfolded sorcerer. Sonome, are you... You're not Sonome! What are you doing over here making sidelong comments, Tuxedo Beak? What's the matter? You jealous or something? Just because Issa's found a new girl penguin, and girls are always more intriguing than boys? Please, my new friends, you must come with me to the village. We will hold a great feast in your honor, with roast pig and alconuts and many island fruits. Alconuts? What are alconuts? Here, my friend, you must try one. But to get to this sweet, heady nectar inside, you must hit this little face with a martellino. Does the butt of my dagger work? What is a dagger? Oh, I see. It is a little knife. Jess, this will work fine. Aw, it didn't work. <laughs> it is okay, my friend. This takes some practice. Here, I like this. Wow! This is delicious! And it burns ever so slightly! Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, my friend. But you must be careful not to drink too much. You do not want to miss out on the dancing tonight. You set out for the island penguin's village, with the sun gently setting beyond the lazily lapping sea. Before long... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on just a second, boys. Helena, come here. But Uncle Rose said I have to practice bending notes on my violin so I don't shame him in front of a new group of people. Whatever, your uncle is an asshole. You pointed out something weird a while ago. I did, Miss Featherfoot. Yeah, you did. Remember those trees? The ones with the silvery bark, Miss Featherfoot? Yeah, those ones. Thrimlock, what did you say this place was called? The Plain of Beaches! Ah, yes, in the zone of Proxophones. I once came here by accident when I was traveling to the Plain of Bitches. My packs of fiendish bloodhounds needed a new queen to lead them. I hate you. Does anybody else recognize what kind of trees those are with the silvery bark? Anybody want to make a knowledge trees check? Oh, gods. They're beaches. Romande, I know this is somehow all your fault. What? I've never even been to this place. I was going to come here on my honeymoon, but we never consummated a relationship, and anyway, it turns out that Sir Gnome's signature was forged anyway, so it wasn't legal. Oh, shit! I'm so sorry, Tore. I, I didn't mean to... No, no, Master Bod. It does not hurt quite so much. 
Now that I've had an epiphany. Oh? Yes, I had trouble admitting this, but our marriage was never consummated because gentle and handsome as you are, I simply... Oh, how hard this is to admit. I simply am not attracted to you in that way, my sweet almost husband. I know everybody else seems to be, so for a time, I thought that something must be, I don't know, fundamentally wrong about me. But popular opinion is still merely opinion. It's okay for me to not be attracted to you, or to anybody for that matter. All will be well, so long as I am true to myself. How wise of you, Torea. Man. I guess being a paladin does have its benefits. Says somebody isn't attracted to. <laughs> Visit the Twenty Sided Theater online at twentysidedtheater.com and follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imanand and Lord Thrimlock have established. You can follow the 20-sided theater at 20-sided theater, spelled with an R-E, the matrimoniable Romande Sorfinde at Illustrious Row, Master Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco, Lord Thrimlock at Thrimlock, Isa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. The, the twenty-sided theater is a joint. It's a. It's a joint. I, I can't do this. Hell about take over for me. <laughs> the twenty-sided theater is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Carrie Quatrin, Kean Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. With special thanks to Becky Chambers and Burla Osmondrotter for letting us mention Kelora Tamlin and Lorelai. Written by Rory Quatrin and edited by Blake Parker. Music by Blackula Hunter. DPO Productions, Detonado, Jonathan Rich, Cubby, New Death Sensation, Stephen O'Brien, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. If you don't, I'll open a permanent scry channel connecting your auditory nerves to Helima's elven rhythm violin. Anytime Romande's least unfavorite niece picks up that shriek box, you'll get a private performance. The volume will be set to 11. Join us next time at the 20-sided theater.
Grand Secretary, how go the preparations for the defense of our homeland? Over 74% of all task forces, strike teams, and peregrine armies have reported to Lieutenant Major Umbar Spikeshoe for muster, your holiness. Of the remaining detachments, only a dozen parties have yet to send word of their whereabouts. Excellent. What have you to report of our defenses, Grand Marshal? The initial strike of the Hungering End has centimated the warren of shanty towns that once stood beyond the outer walls, Your Holiness. However, the walls still stand, and the arcane wards that shelter us from our attackers remain in place. The young city now swells with refugees from the warren and the provinces, but our people still survive. So, the enemy cannot get in then? What of our supplies? Can we afford to feed and clothe the civilians in addition to our armies? The army's storehouses in the harbor were destroyed in the initial blitz, Your Holiness. I know not of the stocks within the city proper. Hmm. Double the number of clerics in each legion, Grand Marshal. Though their foodstuffs are bland and chewy, they provide the sustenance for a man to stand and fight another day. What of the foodstuffs in the city? What can you tell us, Grand Treasurer? Not good, Your Holiness. Normally the farms between the outer wall and the inner provide enough for all Sanderskar to feast for a week straight before we run out of food. But with the port blockaded and so many refugees seeking safety with us, we're down below the minimum calories per individual per day as recommended by the Imperial Health Management Council. In about 15 days, we'll all be hunting for rats, raccoons, skunks, snakes, and other vermin just to keep mind, body, and soul together. Can you augment your rations with conjured foodstuffs, Grand Treasurer? No, Holiness. There simply aren't enough clerics. They can make food and water until they all keel over dead, and it still wouldn't be enough. Might buy us another week or two, though. Then I hereby decree, in the name of the Ladros and the Wardens, that any cleric not on active healing duty must spend all of his remaining manor Conjuring biscuits and water to be immediately distributed by the Imperial Parcel Service. Grand Secretary, have we any word from the Grand Weaponor yet? No, Your Holiness. Though his latest shipment of Black Magma Colossi did manage to arrive before we lost the port. We are currently retrofitting the Weaponor's Colossi ancient metal that the High Seer uncovered in his visions. That should help them stand up to the destructive power of our ancient enemy. Ah, uh, yes. Excellent. The Grand Weaponor has sworn fealty to the Empire, and the Empire trusts his judgment. If he is not here, then Master Shenuda must be working on a new siege engine, or a new polymer to help us win this war. Any word from High Seer Graven? He sleeps, Your Holiness. The sight is not upon him, and his tongue is still. His last words were, The forgotten is not dead, nor is the dead forgotten. 
The same warning he gave when Master Shenouda first came to Sandeskal. It always disturbs me when Lord Quaven falls silent. His counsel is ever... of Volandros. Elves of War. Dwarves of Un. Hear these words and tremble before them. Makar, the father of war, revokes his sheltering shield. For the transgressions of the fathers of your fathers of your fathers has restitution come due. With the first weapons of the first forge, does Makar make war upon you? The Forgotten is not dead. You shall learn to fear the Forgotten. The dead is not forgotten, and she shall live again. We must pray that the Grand Weaponer and his task force arrive soon. May the gods help us all. <laughs>